Okay. John chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would brand that word, Lord, on our hearts if it's not branded there already, Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Lord, stir up in us in an unprecedented way how dependent we are on you and the greater our dependence on you, the greater our peace, the greater our love, the greater our, we understand your word, the greater our joy, the greater our fruitfulness. Lord, I, I pray that you would filter out every bit of self-sufficiency in us so that we're crying out to you in our hearts as we're listening to your word today. God, we thirst for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. We thirst for you, God. We thirst for you. We thirst for you. Lord, that's a work that you do in us. Do that now, Lord. And then by the end of the service that we would would be leaving this place having received, having our thirst quenched, our hunger filled so that we are filled with worship. I pray that for our church and every church in the city of Boston. And pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Christianity, a relationship, not a religion. You've heard this before, many of you. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. Some of you have heard this expression a hundred times. Some of you maybe even a thousand. And guess what? That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
It's an expression we can hardly hear too many times. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. But as we consider this this expression, and for some of you, maybe you're you may be looking at this for the first time, and it's my prayer that this, this expression, this statement, becomes a friend, becomes part of the air that you breathe. But as you're looking at this, it does beg a couple questions. Well, what's, what is a religion? So here you have it if you're taking notes. I, ho- I hope... I hope you do. I hope you come to church taking notes. Religion is a code of conduct and practices that identifies you with a particular group which believes in God. Again, religion, a code of conduct and practices that identifies you with a particular group which believes in God. Religion. So, for example, religion may require a certain way of dress to keep away from certain kinds of entertainment, certain kinds of drinks, such as alcohol. They, uh, a religion may expect prayer at certain times, to have the Bible read at certain times, cert- uh, for a certain length of time when you do read it, and, and, uh, and sometimes uh, certain holidays and, and, and celebrations, and sometimes many, many other things, all the things reflecting their belief in what God wants or doesn't want from them. And then, of course, there's, there's certain things that they're expected to believe about God. Religion. So you ask someone, someone at work, someone out in the street, someone in your family, tell me about your religion. What's it like to be a part of your religion? What do you do? And they will list off certain good things they do, certain bad things they don't do, spiritual kind of things like attending a religious service or prayer, things they believe. They'll start listing these things out. So, but you know what my prayer is for you? My prayer for you here. My prayer for you, my desire for you, that you, and, and and really my prayer for for anyone attending this church for any length of time, that if that question is presented to you, tell me about your religion. What's it like to be a part of your religion? What do you do? My prayer is that you will be left just confused, (laughs) uncomfortable with the question. Because you don't know anything about religion. And really the only thing you, you can think of to say is, well, I don't know, I, I just love Jesus. I, I just love Jesus. That's my religion. I love him. The 
that you will get to the place where questions like that don't, don't make any sense because really they don't. <laughs> they don't because for a Christian, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. So anyway, suppose someone were to ask you another question. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. You know something? You should not be saying something like that without fully understanding where in the Bible it says that. Because guess what? Expressions and stuff get into the body of Christ and people start chattering it like as if they're a Bible verse. Come to find out, there's nowhere in the Bible. So if someone were to ask you, okay, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, Name the Bible verse. Where is that? Tell me, where is that? Okay, tell me, where is it? John chapter 15. Very good. There's a number of other places as well that it's really, really good, but, but um, that's where it is. It's in John chapter 15, so... We want to dig into this chapter, this chapter which is just so near and dear to the hearts of so many Christians for 2,000 years. They have so encouraged, so transformed, so deepened the lives of believers in Jesus. But before we start going verse by verse here, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Before I, before I start taking a verse at a time, I want to take some time talking about some words, some phrases, some language that Jesus uses in this chapter. And then my hope, my hope is, is that after talking about it for a little while, that it'll make the verse-by-verse -verse reading a lot easier. So, First set of words that I want to talk about. Verse 4, very well-known words. Jesus says in verse 4, abide in me. That word abide in me. In the first 11 verses or 15 verses of John chapter 15, it's used somewhere between 10 and 15 times. The word abide uh, is is used, but also the word remain, the underlying Greek word, it's the exact same word, it's the word meno, 10 to 15 times in the first 15 or 16 verses of John chapter 15. What do they mean? <laughs> I've never seen that word, abide. What does it mean? Now you may be looking at your translation of your Bible, and it's a good translation, because I, I can say that because most of them are pretty good. But some of you are looking at your translation and it says, doesn't say abide in me in verse 4. It says, remain in me. Ah, no, no. Why did they do that? No! That's just a fraction of what it means. And literally all the Spanish translations say the same thing. Permanezcan en Cristo. Ah, no, ¿por qué hacen eso? No, no. 
Why did they do that? It, it's just, it, that's almost every, actually every translation I know of. That's, in Spanish, it says, that's what they say. But it, and again, they're good, good translations um, um, as a whole, to be sure. And I don't want to make light of the men of God um, who, who translate. They, they, they did hard work, but it really, 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 really is a fraction of what it means to abide. Sometimes what these translators do, and you understand uh, where they're coming from, they, where they see the word abide, and they're like, well, well no one uses that word today. Well, yeah, how about, how about? Remain, that's a good word. Let's use that. And in so doing, they, I think they do a big disservice. And that's why it's good when you're studying the Bible, sometimes you know, use several, several translations at the same time. Really easy to do with, you know, on the internet now. But abide in Christ. What does it mean? Some of your translations may say live. Verse 4, live in me. That's, that's better, much better. Abide in Christ, those three words. I would say those three words, easily. <laughs> I've been walking with the Lord for 31 years and teaching the Bible for something like 30 years, a long time. And, and I probably thought about and studied those three words more than any other three words of the Bible. And so this is what I've come up with over the years. Abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Again, if you're taking notes, what does it mean? A continuously flowing, fully shared relationship with Jesus. Let that sink in. Uh, a, a continuously flowing, fully shared relationship with Jesus. Or, or, or maybe more in plain English, um, an uninterrupted relationship lived in the light with Jesus. An uninterrupted relationship lived in the light with Jesus, meaning you're sharing everything. It's a fully shared relationship. You're keeping nothing back. You're including him in all your life. You're sharing every part of your life. We talked last week about, you know, how often does it happen? You go to work from nine to five, whatever. At the end of the day, you realize, I have not even thought about God for a single second all day. Well, that's not abiding in Christ. And I didn't say that, by the way, to condemn you. I'm just sharing what's happened with me. That's not abiding in Christ. It, it's, it's keeping nothing back. It's sharing every part of your life with him, a continuously flowing, fully shared relationship with Jesus. It, 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 it means any darkness that you're bringing into, uh, that you're bringing into, into the light. And, and oh, how darkness seeps into your life every day. The, 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 the world that we live in, that you go to work, your school or whatever, it's described in the Bible as Darkness, of course, that darkness is going to be seeping in. Abiding in Christ is that continually you're bringing your darkness to the light. 1 John 1, 4, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we can have fellowship with each other and God, abiding in him, ever and always bringing your darkness or whatever it is, your, your joy, your, 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 the mundane, 
mundane things of your life, you're, you're ever giving it to the Lord. Abiding in Christ. That's one half of it. You keeping nothing back from God. You bringing your darkness to the life. You sharing with God. That's, that's one half of abiding in Christ. The other half, of course, is what? Jesus sharing with you. Remember, it's a relationship. It is not a one-way relationship. It's not a one-way relationship. It, it's, it's, it's a two-way thing. And, and so it's you sharing with Jesus. It's Jesus sharing with you. Sharing what with you? Well, verse 27 of John chapter 14. We were there last week. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Now look at verse 7 of John chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. He's sharing his words. His, my peace, my words. I share with you. Verse 9. As the Father loved me, I, all, I also have loved you. Abide in what? My love. The my peace, the my words, the my love of Jesus. He's sharing that, that with you. Verse 11 of John chapter 15. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, my joy, he's sharing his joy. He's sharing it with you. His joy. So we spent a lot of time last week on John chapter 14, verse 27. Again, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. You know, you could just as well substitute the word, for example, word for peace. The word I leave with you. My word I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Same thing with the word love. Love I leave with you. My love I give to you. Not as the world gives gives, do I give love to you? You can substitute the word joy. Joy I leave with you. My peace I give, my joy I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. There's a type of peace that the world gives you. It's more than willing to give you. There's a type of love that the world gives you. There's a type of joy that the world gives you that it wants you to feed off of. It wants you to feed off of it. My love I give you, none as the world gives do I give to you. The world gives you a kind of love, a kind of peace, and it certainly gives you a word. And it's doing everything it can to get you to feed off of it. But Jesus, verse 1 calls him the true vine, saying, don't do that. And as someone who is responding, and, 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 and I hope you're there this morning, 
You're prepared. Someone who's rep- responding, where Jesus says in verse 4, abide in me, and, and, and they understand, and they get the sense that, yeah, the, I've been feeding off the world. No, I'm not going to feed off that anymore. Jesus is telling me that, he's telling me, my peace I give to you, my word I give to you, my love I give to you, my uh, joy I give to you. I'm going to feed off of that. That's what abiding in Christ is. And, and so important, brothers and sisters, that, that you understand that all of what we are learning today is building off of what we learned last week in John 14. How is it that I'm going to be able to feed off of or to receive the peace of Jesus, the word of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, He's not here in the flesh. (laughs) How do I do that? Well, once again, we focused on this in chapter 14. The Bible says that there is one God. Deuteronomy 6, 4. The the Lord God, he is one. However, he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons. But one, it's a mystery. Now, now John says in verse 16 of chapter 14, he says, he says to his, uh, Jesus says to his disciples, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, referring to the Holy Spirit, that he may abide, same word, with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. And here's the key and will be in you, and will be in you. And and, and so when a man or woman gets to the place in their life and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he's the Son of God, that he lived a perfect life in order to credit it to their account, that he died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, came upon him, and he had all the sins, your sins, past, present, future, on him. And he paid the penalty, which is death, an eternal death, for you, for them. And that Jesus raised from the dead, and he pours out new life now from heaven. If a man or woman hears that and says, I believe, I believe that, I embrace that, Lord Jesus, my king, come into my life now, I'm tired of being the king, I'm going to get off the throne of my own heart, and I'm going to invite you in, come in now. The Bible says the Holy Spirit invades at that time, at that moment, and occupies it, occupies you from then for all eternity, and that you literally at that point, remember the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, you literally at that point can feed off of his peace. You can feed off of his word. You can feed off of his love, and you can feed off of his joy. And that's what he's referring to here. It's, again, it's not, oh God, I, I, I just want this 
this, this peace, Lord, would you send me some peace force or some, some, some particles of, of, of energy in which I just can't take this anymore? No, a Christian is feeding off of the peace of Jesus who lives inside of them. That's what's going on. That's what he's referring to. Abide in Christ. So the first half of abiding in Christ, you sharing with him, bringing everything into the light, the second half of abiding in him is sharing, or better put, it's you receiving his peace, his word, his love, his joy. Okay. So before we start making our way through verses 1 through 5, one more thing, one more phrase that he uses over and over. I think it's almost eight times in the first 10 or 11 verses. And to sort of tee up that conversation, okay, Pastor Steve, abide in Christ. You've just explained what it is. You've just explained it's that, that fully shared, continuous life with Jesus. It's that, it's that life in which I'm, ever presenting my darkness to the light. It's, it's, it's receiving from him his peace, his love, his joy, his word. Why? Why? What's the purpose of abiding in Christ? Is it, is it to, is it so we can go, ah, Ah, Bible yoga. Yeah. Ah. No, that's religion. Religion is all about self. It's all about me. The purpose of abiding in Christ, answer right there in verse 8 of John chapter 15, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit. And so over and over again, you see this phrase as well. Verse 4, as a branch cannot bear fruit. Back in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit verse 5 bearing much fruit verse 9 again that oh that's a bite in my love not in that verse <laughs> but then it's a, a, again you see it uh, there in verse 16 bearing fruit bearing much fruit bearing fruit what is it well, we talked about that last week, so very briefly, bearing fruit. What is it? Bearing fruit is the life of God in you being reproduced in the lives of others, bearing fruit. Or put another way, the life of God in you bringing glory to God. Abide in Christ, bearing fruit. Abide in Christ, a bearing fruit. Abide in Christ, a bearing fruit over and over again in the first uh, 10 or 15 verses of John 
chapter 15. Okay, so everybody ready? Let's go, verse by verse. Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. Lots of other vines out there trying to suck life out of you. Not as the world gives, though. I'm the vine of the world. I am the true vine. Could be, it could say, I am the one vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear fruit more fruit. So he says in verse 5, let's start with that. And sort of work our way back. Jesus says, speaking of a grapevine, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am the vine, you, he's speaking of you here, are the branches. And that speaks of what? speaks of relationship. It speaks of relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. Where's the vine? Uh, where's, rather, where's the branch get its life? From the vine, right? For the, the nutrients, the minerals, the sap that is inside the vine. That is what's where the branch gets its life from. So Jesus is the vine. You are the branch. Who is the vine dresser. Anyone? The father, right? It says, I am, verse one says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. God the father is the vine dresser. You could call him a farmer, the one who is responsible for the vineyard and each individual vine with all its branches. He's the farmer. He takes care of the vine and the branches. Now, this may be one of the most untalked about things of John chapter 15, and oh, there's a lot of sermons out there on John chapter 15. There's thousands. But one of the most untalked about things of these first five verses is the fact that God the Father, who the Bible calls El Shaddai, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1, God Almighty is always and ever about tending your relationship with Jesus. That, we come to, we come to church so we can get to know God, who he is. So we, we don't really know that. We never really knew that about God, the Father, did, did we? That, that front and center, his priority is your relationship with Jesus. That it is running at full capacity. That that is his priority for your life. That you are, that there's nothing that there's nothing hindering your relationship with Jesus, that there's nothing blocking it, that there's nothing distracting it. So important is your relationship with Jesus. God the Father is always tending it. Is it Genesis chapter 1, he spoke and the whole world was created. 
Remember on the sixth day, he made man. Ever since then, he's been tending to man, woman's relationship with Jesus. That's what he does. How does he do it? How does he tend the the vine and the branches? How does he do it? Verse 2 says, he prunes. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Meaning he, he cuts off. Anyone in here who's done landscape, you're familiar with pruning. You have to prune or cut off a branch in order for a, a tree or a bush to grow properly. Now, vineyards... A grapevine, as much as any other bush out there, is a prime example of this. If you do not prune a grapevine, if you just let the branches go unhindered, over time, it'll be nothing but wood. No fruit. None. It'll just be this mass of tangled wood. And that's what, and that's why it makes this such a, a powerful illustration here. It says he prunes it. He prunes it. Do you remember? Remember the goal that the Father has. God the Father has. Remember his goal. It's that you will share in Jesus' peace, Jesus' word, Jesus' love, Jesus' joy. And so there, there are things in your life which need to be pruned, cut off, if you're going to experience his peace, his joy, his love, his word, if you're going to hear his word. If you are going to hear the word of God, he is going to have to cut something out of your life or multiple things. So what might that be? certain entertainment in your life. And oh man, is it sucking the life of God out of you. And is it pumping another kind of life in you? And so, certain friends that you may have that have become a life for you, a substitute for the life of God. Things that you do with your time. Things that you do on your computer. Things that, your career. Which has become a God substitute. He'll prune. He'll cut. So important is that relationship with Jesus, that God will cut it right out of your life if he has to. He'll prune your ministry, that ministry that started out, you wanted to do something good for God, but it's become an idol. And it's just sucking you. You're leaving church, and during the week, you're all dry. Why? Your ministry has become your life, a substitute for God. 
Now here's usually how uh, the Bible says that the pruning process works. Not always, but that it can work. Usually we get a choice, right? It's either that voluntary pruning. It's like, hey, you know, Sherry, you got to take this out of your life. Prune yourself. Cut it off. Or, when we resist, God has a way of cutting it off himself. That's how it works. All that time on the basketball court, you've got to give it to me. It's feeding you life rather than me giving you life. And so what happens is that we resist. And God, I mean, think about it. He's the, the Father. We're talking God the Father now, the creator of heaven and earth. Think about how many things that he has at his disposable. Think about it. And all of a sudden, there's a health issue. There's no basketball anymore. <laughs> Your ministry is too important to you? Oh, he has his ways. Prune it right out of your life. Remember Pastor Brian here? He was here just a few weeks ago. Pastor Brian. Well, I grew up in Massachusetts, moved away. Eventually made my way to Miami. Pastor Brian was an elder there, along with Pastor Robert. I became an assistant pastor. And one day, they sat me down, and they said, Steve, this ministry is too important to you. Sorry, you're done. It's over. You know what I did? I, don't really re I not only resisted. I was like, Argh, you're kidding me, you know, and, 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 and I, I attacked the vessel. The guys are my best friends today, but I mean, at the time I was like, in everything I've done for you, I can't believe you're doing this to me, you know, this type of thing, until I realized, oh my, this thing has gotten a hold of me like a vine of, of the world, just strapping its life around my neck and strangling the life of God out of me. The Lord has told you here some things you need to cut out of your life. They're sucking away the life of God. For not some, but many of you, it's that crazy madness, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat thing which is draining the life of God out of the church of God. It's just draining. Draining. And, he, and he's asking you, he's going, cut it off. Just get it out. Because it's draining your life. The life of God. It's become a God substitute. It's become a substitute for me. And he's telling, he's telling you, he's telling you, get rid of it. And let me tell you, he's got a lot at his disposal. But here's what you don't want to do. 
here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to sort of, uh, you know, you prune something, you refuse to accept it, he prunes the same thing again, you refuse to accept it, he prunes, or, or you're just always resisting. Let me tell you one area, this happens over and over again, particularly with men, their work, their career is an idol. Their work is an idol. And sometimes what will happen is, uh, is they'll get laid off, they'll get fired. And I get that call probably once a month from someone, and I always tell them the same thing. Look, before you do anything, go online, look for a job, put your resume together. Before you do anything, please take a day or two to fast and to pray. Well, I've never fasted before. What's that? Just monks do that. Well, so do people in the Bible and the book of Acts, and, and, and you, need be, you need to be doing it too. God's trying to get your attention. Just pray and fast. God, why are you doing this? What are you doing? But you know, there's, there is something that happens worse than a layoff, worse than getting fired, that God deals with men and women who are worshiping their job, worshiping the prosperity or the dream of prosperity that comes along with you. You know what that is? You know what he does? Pruning, pruning. He will bring you a boss who is the worst nightmare of a boss in the history of bosses. I mean, he it, just terrible. It, that just makes going into work. The, a nightmare, and, 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 and day after day after day, this is, this is God the Father pruning, this is what he's doing, and so, and so here's, here, this, I have this same conversation, many times a year I have this conversation, and, and someone will sit me down, you wouldn't believe my boss, he did this, and he did that, it is so unfair, he gave this person this, and he didn't give me, and he, he's doing this, and he's doing that, and I'm like, Oh man, you're getting pruned. It, it's time to worship God. It, it's trying to open up your eyes as to, to, to what God is trying to do. And by the way, there's, there's multiple chapters in the New Testament that deal with this. First Peter chapter three, I think it's Colossians chapter three, it's Ephesians chapter five, I think it is. And it's all the same thing because guess what? You know, God likes to do, particularly with men, sending nightmare bosses to get them to, 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 to accept that pruning. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, this guy is really showing me, or this woman's really showing me that I've been worshiping this stuff. I need to stop. But you know what happens again and again and again? I, 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 I will be opening up the word of God. I'll be putting it right in the face of these men. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. And what do they do? They jump ship, they go to another job. And they get a call. Nine months later. Nine months later. And the labor pains are coming again. Okay? And, and, and it's like, oh, and this new guy, yeah, they would, you wouldn't believe what they're doing. And this company and the pay that they're getting. I'm like, hey, listen, slow down. Remember, we, we had this conversation. Remember nine, ten months ago? And I'm telling you, it'll go in one ear, out the other. They'll jump to another job. And after, after really a number of years, I look at them, and, 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 and I say this with the fear of God, because I don't want to judge men. I don't want to judge women. 
they haven't borne a single bit of fruit in years. They're the same old griping, complaining, slithering (laughs) branch that they were years ago. And it's all wood. And the wood is all around them, you know, choking out the life of God. And look, I, I, I don't, I don't want to try to minimize the pain that, com- that comes through pruning. Pruning hurts so bad sometimes. Even pruning that we agree to do, it hurts so bad. But the Bible says, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, present your body as a living sacrifice to God. That's an allusion to the Old Testament, the burnt offerings where the lambs were put right on the altar, the burning altar, and the whole thing was consumed. That's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Good verse to memorize. But, but pruning does, it, it hurts. It hurts really bad. And and I think of some of the pruning that has happened in my life. You know, I I have uh, two brothers, and all three of us were serving the Lord. We did not grow up in a Christian family. The first person to to accept uh, Jesus was my younger brother when he was like 17. And then all my, my brothers, you know, we all followed suit and uh, I remember I was six years walking with God, getting a call from my parents that they were getting divorced. And now you have to understand, I, I did not grow up in a Christian family, but our family was just so strong. There were never any signs, <laughs> like zero signs. You know, there was a couple wrinkles along the way, but, but this, the pain that it caused me, just wave after wave after wave of pain. I didn't know pain like this existed. I did not know. But I remember my brother, my brother Mark, he's single, he's same age as me, he's committed to live his life uh, a single, serving God, He's a missionary in, uh, in, in Asia. I remember him saying, you know, I, he took away my health. He took away my job because he had had a job. And now he's taken away my family. And I'm all by myself. But I know it's because God wants me to see him in a way that I've never seen before. Listen, sometimes it's the most painful thing imaginable that comes about the pruning that it takes before we can understand the love of God, before we can taste the my peace, the my joy, the my love of Jesus. Just don't Resist it. Do not resist it. 
don't be like the people, particularly with those things that are just outrageously painful in your, in, in your life, that just continue to resist it. But, you know, what do we sometimes do? We start to, to say to God, oh, well, you know, Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 14, the Apostle Paul uh, answers this objection. He says, what, what, is, is God unrighteous? Is he... Is he evil? Is he a masochist? Why is he putting me through this? And Paul responds, he says, is there unrighteousness with God? Romans chapter 9, verse 14, certainly not. But verse 20, he goes on, he says, but will the thing, will the thing that's formed say to him who formed it, why have you done this? Why have you made me like this? Will the thing that was formed say that to the thing that is the former, the fashioner? Will the pot say that to the, the potter? Now, there's not a problem expressing your, whatever your feelings are with God because that's what abiding in Christ is. Yes, you will have a time. God, why do you do this? I hate you, God. I hate you. You got to do that. You got to get it out. But you better not linger there. You better not linger there, or you will be looking back at the end of your life and see nothing but barrenness, no fruit. Again, it's these places where if you're willing to share with a heart of surrender, share to the Lord what's really going on, it's these places that you will see. There's no hatred there. There's not a bit of hate. Other than the hate that God the, the, the hate that God poured out on that sin that was put on Jesus on the cross, that judgment, that wrath, the anger of God. Jesus said, though, last words on the cross, it is finished, it's done. What was done? All the payment necessary to bring you into an everlasting relationship with God. And, and, and there's just, there's all love behind it. And he's not doing it to you out of anger. He's doing it to you because he loves you and he's tending your relationship with Jesus. So that when Jesus said, my peace I give you, my word I give you, my love I give you, my joy I give you, you can actually taste it. You can actually share in it. And the hatred is replaced with love in your own life. So look, I'm going to call up the worship team at this time and, and we are going to, we're just going to have a time of prayer Next week, we'll, we're going to be continuing that last phrase, oh so important in verse 5 of chapter 15, without me you can do nothing. We're going we're gonna to pick up there, but let that, if you're going to let something linger, a thought linger in, in your life this week, let that one linger without Jesus, I can do nothing. But if you're in a place in your life where you're, you know, after, after, hearing the word this morning, you know that you're resisting a pruning in your life. You know you are. Or 
you may have voluntarily cut something off, but the pain is just more than you can bear. Well, pray about it. Pray about it with us. If you've been asked to pray, please come up at this time. And, and there are going to be people up here to pray with. Or maybe you are in a place where the pruning's happened, your eyes have opened up to the love of God, and you just want to thank God, and you want someone to pray with and praise God with. Come up, I will do that. I would love to do that with you. But let's do that. Let's close in worship. Why don't you, uh, why don't you all stand? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close in prayer. And then let's worship. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, thanking you for your word, that we can come here and do real business with you, Lord, that, that we can share. You're the God of the universe, and we can actually share with you our feelings about you that are just so ugly. But it's not as if you don't know about them anyway, Lord. God, so if there's anyone here, if there is any hatred, any anger, any confusion, any vexation, this is draw it out, Lord, and I, and then the second part of abiding, abiding in Christ. peace that the world looks at and cannot explain because it is not of the world or the love that the world sees and cannot explain because it's not of the world or the joy or the wisdom that we receive from you, Lord. I, I pray, Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit now that we can worship and that we can pray and do business with you. Leave here, worship.